Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. We are continuing our series on putting Scripture into context. I've been uh, working with John Barrett on a couple weeks trying to get our schedules aligned. We finally did it, Yeah, man, this is great. I'm excited to be here. Pastor John Barrett, who um, your role has changed within the church a couple times, but I think the last few times I've had you on here, we've explained that. Yeah, we've explained my role, next steps in care. Yeah, we're good. But Pastor John Barrett, here today, we're going to talk about Romans 8.28. So he's going to take it away in a minute. He's going to give you the uh, the context of the passage, um, maybe how it's, it's misused some a little bit. Yeah, and, absolutely. And we're give you an idea of what Paul is actually saying here in Romans 8.28. Go for it, John. Yeah, so I wanted, I really wanted to break this particular passage down. You know, in, in the ministry that I do, Garrett, with, with care and next steps, you know, you're dealing with people in crisis and you're dealing with people who are struggling. I mean, I guess that's the human condition, right? And so often you hear this verse, Romans 8, 28, just kind of thrown out there without really understanding what it means and who it's for and and really what's the context of it and why was it written and shared. But then again, most important is, is who's it for and really understanding the words within that. And so Paul writes Romans, the book of Romans, it's really his... Um, case for the gospel. He writes it to the Roman church who are a mixture of Jew and Gentiles. And he's doing it as a reminder of what we have in Christ and and what it means to be a Christian and how to live your life out as a Christian and and what the spirit does and all of that and, and all of that type of thing. I mean, the first three books really focus on sin and with the understanding that that all of us sin, all of us, all of us have fallen short in the glory of God, and then he goes into to salvation, meaning that we're justified by grace through our right. faith in Jesus Christ, and then he goes into sanctification, and this is where this passage comes out, the, the work that the Holy Spirit does, uh, transforming us and, and conforming us into Christ's image throughout our life. He talks about, then he goes into sovereignty, and then he goes into service, so there's like these five S's, and when you narrow it down a little bit more, Romans 8 really talks about the contrast between life in the flesh, the old ways of, of, of our sinful nature versus life in the spirit and, and what that means. You know, we go from these selfish desires of the flesh to this God-honoring, wanting to, um, to honor God and, and live life in the spirit. And we have the power of the spirit in us, working in us and, and through us. And, and in all of this, um, we also understand in Roman 8 that because of our salvation, we're not condemned anymore. He begins the the chapter by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then at the end, he reminds us that there's nothing that could ever separate us from the love of God. And in the middle, we've got this verse, Romans 8, 28, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, The ESV translation says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Another one that people are most familiar with probably is the NIV version. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are who have been called according to his purpose. And as we go through this, I want to take it just, you know, word by word almost, but two big things I want to think about is the first is, okay, what, who's this promise for? You know, so often we, we think that all of these promises in Scripture are for everybody, you know, and, and, and it's hard to say, but it's true that that's not always the case in this particular. But who's the audience here? Who's the audience here? The audience here is, is the Roman church. These are believers, right? And so that's who this is for. But you hear this, uh, you know, said by secular people as well as, you know, God's going to work for my good and God's going to do this in this situation and God's going to do that right. situation. And so I really want uh, our audience to remember that this is for the Christian. This is for the believer and, uh, the, the, you know, those who are in Christ. And then the other thing I want us to think about as we go through this is that word good. 
You know, in our culture, we think of good as maybe some monetary gain. We think of good as, you know, if oh, I'm suffering, but it's over quickly, that's a good thing. We think of um, maybe we're going to avoid suffering. We're going to not have to deal with trials. You're going to be healed gonna, of something. You're going to be healed of something. God, God wants the very best for us. He does, but God's good is, is different than our good. And so doesn't mean just you're going to, you know, happy, painless. Yeah. Financial yeah, success. That's right. God's good is the idea that, okay, in our relationship with Jesus Christ through the Spirit, we're going to be transformed into his likeness. We're going to be sanctified. So through the suffering, through the struggle, through the illness, God's going to do a work. God's going to be working. God's going to be present. His promise is to never leave and nor forsake. Um, you know, that's the good that God's talking about. It's our sanctification. It's our growing in faith. Um, one of the things I like to say is God doesn't desire to appease or pacify us through the Holy Spirit. He is sanctifying us. He's remolding us into his image. That's the good that this verse is talking right. about, you know? And um, so let's just go through it. And we'll go through it little by little and kind of talk about it. So he begins by saying, and we know. So as believers, you know, we're personally and assuredly understand that this promise is for us. Um, a commentator says, those who love God can trust his goodness, his power, and his will to work out all things for our good. We journey together with him, you know. So who's this promise for? It's for the believer. Um, and it's really important that, that we understand that. And it's nice as a believer to know that, you know, man, I'm assured that, that, that I know that, that I kn I'm assured that I know that, you know, what I believe is true. And I know that through that, right. through my relationship with Christ, prom he's with me. Yeah. I'm not going through this by myself. Right, man. You know, you know how it and is. And it's you, not meaningless. It's not meaningless. You, you go through a trial and when you have to navigate it by yourself um, and, and not having any type of hope or, or an understanding that, that someone is with you, the one that created you, the one that, that has saved you and the one that sustained you. If you don't have that, how do you get through that? I don't know right. how people do that. Well, and then the experience you get from time and time again. I mean, I've shared this with people all the time. When you go through a d difficult thing, and uh, a difficult trial, God pulls you out of, I mean, I talked about a G3 the other night, God pulls you out of the pit. Yeah. Well, then that's why Paul starts, or Paul, uh, David in Roman, or in Psalm 40 starts with everything that God's done, praise, right? right? God's done this before. I know he can that's do right. it again, and that kind that's of thing. Right. And it gives you the experience. We're talking about basketball and how yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the teams, the experience pays <laughs> exactly. off. Experience because pays teams off. that have been beat, teams that have gone through it. That's right. They can, so the experience with God, seeing God, fulfill his promises That's over right. and over and over. It gives you the experience that later on you know, hey, I'm going through this again, but – I've seen God do it. Absolutely. And he's going to do it again. Absolutely. And that's that's the assurance that we're talking about. Yeah. And he then goes on that for those who love God. Now, again, this is specific to the Christian. This is the one that's been chosen by God, the one that's been called by God, the one that's heard the gospel, accepted the gospel, and is in Christ. And that's who this is for. Um, the, and those are the people that love God. Now, we have to also remember when we talk about loving God, our love as a Christian is fully in a response to God's love for us, right? Um, I think of 1 John 4.10, it says, uh, it, this, and this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us first and mm -hmm. sent his one and only son as a propitiation for our sins. It's this, this idea that we love God because he's loved us first. And so it's a, it's a response to God's love for us. And then he goes on, all things work together for good. And I want to stress, all things, not some things, or just the things, situations, or circumstances that we desire or what we think are good. God knows better, and he's our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer, right? I mean, so 
what is good again to us? And I really want to stress this because so often I hear people, you know, as, as I'm meeting with them, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well. Uh, they're going through it, whatever it might be. Let's say they're, they're going through an illness and they just feel like, look, if I pray, I'm going to be healed. Mm. Now, not that God's beyond doing that. Okay. But you cannot hinge your entire um, hope on that. You have to also understand and look, look, God is in a relationship with you. God is working through the spirit in your life, transforming you to be more like him. What good is he doing through this illness that you're going through? Are you going to be able to say that whether you're healed or not? Because yeah. it very well could be, I hate to say this, but it very could will be that his will for you is not to be healed because he wants you to know him better. Right. You know, and so yeah, what's God teaching you through? That's your trial? right. What's God teaching you through your trial? And you know, we don't always see it. We don't always understand it. We, again, want to have the answers right away, but that's just not how, right. how God works. And, and you know, if we did have the answers right away, would we learn anything? No, no. You don't have that experience. Don't have that experience. Um, you know, I have a, another passage that I had jotted down here to share. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, God sees the big picture. He, he knows better. He, right. Again, he's created us, and he's laid out this plan for our life. He knows every day of our life before we live it. Yeah. And, you know, we're walking in obedience to that, and we have to trust that through the trial, he, he's at work and doing something. Yeah. You know, and we don't want to um, just, you know, think that all is going to be good in the way that we feel it's going to be good. We have to trust that it's going to work out in the way that God's designed it to. Because, again, he wants the, the very best for us. And the yeah. very best for us is to know him in a deeper way and bring him glory. And not only how he's going to work it out, but when. But sometimes sometimes you're going to have to wait in it a lot longer than you want That's to. Right. And That's it right. stinks to wait through it, but sometimes you have to, That's and God's, right. God's working in you. Yeah. You, you get back under that Psalm 40 that you were just talking about, you know, yeah. you're, you're standing on solid ground and, but it takes a while sometimes for God to take you out of that pit of destruction. Yeah. What's going on in that pit of destruction that you're learning from. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, through the whole work of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And, you know, in, in Romans eight twenty nine, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And the idea is, is through these trials, um, we become more Christ-like. And, and God has chosen us from the found, beginning of the foundations of the earth. And to know that and to have peace in that as you're going through what you're going through and understand that there are things when you go through what you're going through that are good and maybe not so good. You know, I, I think about what, what does good look like? Again, to us, it's, it, you know, in Ephesians 2, um, chapter uh, chapter two, verses eight through 10, we learn, okay, it's, it's through grace that we've been saved. Right. And we're, we're made to do good works. Mm. And so God can use, um, use in a sanctification process for us to, to do good things for him and bring him glory. But also through our sanctification process, there are things that happen that are good to us, but they don't happen as a result of what we think might be good. Again, um, you know, he talks about this in Romans chapter five, where, that we're through suffering and through difficulty, um, we can have good things happen to us again in, in the re reference of how we're looking at our relationship with God and how we understand God. Um, in chapter five of Romans two verses two through five, he says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
Not only, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you know, man, I mean, how many times have you gone through something and, and you've failed or, or someone you love has suffered and you, you go through it and through that suffering, you learn something new about God? I mean, you know? time and time again, over and over and over. Would you say? I mean, yeah. I'm not even, I'm 35 years old and I've yeah. seen it so many different times throughout my whole life. Yeah. I mean, would you say in your own walk with the Lord, the times that you've stumbled and fall, whether it's a result of your sin or circumstances, um, the joy that you have in seeing him pick you up, the joy in you ha- that you have in seeing him give you the ability through the spirit to move forward and looking back at it after maybe some time from that suffering, the growth that you had spiritually uh, in the work that he did in you. Pretty, I mean, pretty it's, cool, huh? it's amazing. And yeah. I think that that also not only equips us to deal with it later on in the future, but equips us to encourage other people that are going through it to sit at a table with somebody and listen to somebody talk about how they're dealing with whatever it is and be able to be like, I'm a, I I have a testimony for you. That is I've gone through something similar or maybe it's not something similar, but just gone through these dark times where you're, you're struggling with something and I've seen God lift me up and set me on solid ground. Like we're talking about and, and seen it time and time again. Sometimes people even, I I was just talking to somebody like an hour ago about this, where um, I've got a couple of friends that I think over the last maybe year or so um, we've become better friends and I've felt more comfortable to share with them some of the stuff that I've gone through. Cause sometimes as a pastor, that's hard to do. It is. It's hard to be vulnerable with people about, Hey, I struggle with this or I've been going through this. Some, whether it's something you deal with or something someone else deals with. Well, I think people look, look at, look at pastors as people who are infallible, um, you know, not, this isn't right, but who are infallible and have it all figured out and never stumble and fall, know all of God's promises, fully trust in God's promises and abide in the word, you know, and that's not always the case. I mean, far from it. We're just as fallen as anybody else. So I think the the point with that was like, these guys now feel more comfortable even to, uh, to share with me what they're going through and also have a little more hope to be like, Oh, other people deal with this. It's not just me. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Because you were able to show your vulnerability. You know, and that's huge. It's a huge open door. You know, I was thinking as Paul, as, as I'm going through this, and you know, you're reading this, and it's like Paul knew what it meant to suffer, right? Right. I mean, he here's the yeah, guy. Yeah, anyone knows. Shipwrecked, thrown in jail, um, you know, had been a persecutor, was persecuted. I mean, just totally gets it, totally gets it. I, you know, I think of, you know, in 1 Corinthians uh, or 2 Corinthians 11 where he's shipwrecked. Um, Philippians 4, we were just talking about that prior to the, right. to the podcast here, though, you know, the point where he's talking about the fact I know what it means to have very much. I know what it means to have very little. I'm summarizing, but you know, I understand what it means to be content in all circumstances. And he goes into, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength, which I know was one of your other pastors talked about is out of context. But the idea behind all of that is look through all of the stuff I go through, God is still working good in my life. Right. Even though to me in my fallen, you know, messed up idea of what good is, He's still working the good there, and I see that. And the spirit that he's placed inside of me through my relationship is at work. Awesome. Transforming me to be more like him. And then finally, um, we get this. 
um, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I read a little bit of Romans 8.29, but I want to reread it 8.29 to 30 because this really gives you the answer. It talks about the fact that who are these people? It's those who've been called, those who God foreknew, those who God chose, and those who accepted God's call into the faith. And he says, for those whom we foreknew, for he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son mm-hmm. in order that he might be firstborn among brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I mean, think about that, you know. God loves you so much that he was willing to, you know, create you. He was willing to choose you. He was willing to send his son to die and raise for you. And in that, you have life in the spirit and you have eternal life with him one day in heaven. That, that's a good thing. And that promise is for all who, who come to the Lord, all who put their trust in Jesus Christ. And, and that's something to hold on to. You know, yeah. and and so really, the the sum to sum, to land this plane, I would say that the understanding of that this promise is for those who God's chosen. Those this promise is for those who God um, loves, and this promise is for those who have accepted what Jesus did on the cross for them, and through that they have life in the Spirit and an understanding of where their eternal glory is. Awesome. You know, that kind of sums it up. That's perfect, dude. Yeah, man. John, thank you so much for coming in, sharing with us about this. If you have any other questions about this passage, you can email me at podcast at springhills.org, and I can get that question to John, or I can try to answer it myself as well. So um, we're going to continue on with this in a couple weeks. I've got a few other pastors that are going to jump in with some passages. Um, Mike uh, Mike Baker is going to come in at some point. Uh, Paul Ortlinghouse is going to come in. So these are pastors from our community, not from Spring Hills, but guys that have spoke here and that we've got a relationship with. So... Um, And then I think Brett's going to do one more, and that'll probably wrap up this series for now. So, uh, anyways, John, thanks for coming in, man. Glad we finally made it work out. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. All right, dude. All right, man.